first time that we have been linking a digital phenotype, so activity data, with these transition cow health data. We are able to identify and validate yeah, some robust predictors of reproductive outcomes. Welcome back to the Dairy Science Digest. This is a podcast designed to bring the Journal of Dairy Science straight to the ears of dairy producers. I'm Reagan Bluell from the University of Missouri Dairy Team, and today we're zooming in on how to best utilize data generated from your activity monitors to help us understand how does that early estrus activity directly impact fertility. So today we're talking with Dr. Stefan Bohart and we're here to discuss research conducted on a Slovakian dairy farm. And he is, and his team tracked the status of 3,750 lactating Holsteins in a confinement setting. And it's coupled with information collected from the Smart Tag Next system. And these results are published in the featured journal article Impress titled, the effect of transition cow health and estrus expression detected by activity monitoring systems within the first 60 days of milk on repro performance of lactating Holstein dairy cows. So welcome to Dairy Science Digest, Stefan. Could you please introduce yourself to the audience? Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, I'm a veterinarian, graduated in 2009 from Berlin, did my doctor's degree in a project about metabolic profiling. Then I worked for two and a half years in a mixed animal practice in north of Germany. And then I joined this Slovakian dairy where we did the trial for two years. And I was working as a herdsman and veterinarian. And I learned a lot about people, not so much about cows. And then in 2014, I got back to the university. Here we do research service and teaching. And my research focus is transition cow management and reproductive management of lactating dairy cows and the interaction in between. And for our repro studies six years ago, we started with automated activity monitoring system. We wanted to know what is the optimum timing for cows showing estrus getting either conventional or fresh semen. Then we realized that estrus expression is something very important and uh, also estrus expression within the volunteer rating period. And I think that's yeah how we ended up with this paper here, where we also looked at the association between transition cow health and estrus expression. Yes, and I think with the objective of this study describing the transition cow health and estrus expression by using these activity monitoring systems, you know, really, honestly, as I read through this paper, it almost feels like you've got two two topics and we're using this AMS as a tool to help us better assess what's really happening reproductively in that animal so that we can understand with a large number of cows, you know, what What's going on in there? Um, how does that inflammation impact her estrus expression and then therefore her fertility? So let's pause for a minute and do a, a little bit of a background discussion on inflammation and clinical disease that how that inflammation and, and poor transfer into lactation, how that can negatively impact fertility. Yeah, so I think there has been a number of very nice studies showing the associations and the carryover effects of transition cow 
health events and reproduction. And I think what's probably new with our study is that it has been the first time that we have been linking a digital phenotype, so activity data, with these transition cow health data. Mm-hmm. And I think right now it's not 100% clear, but probably one way we have to think about is that either inflammatory disorders in the uterus or in the reproductive tract or something like mastitis or a metabolic disorder like ketosis can compromise the follicular development and probably also the production of steroids. And this is probably one likely pathway how health disorders might affect estrus expression in an early lactation. You almost want to have that estrus event to kind of knock down the, the cobwebs out of the of the ovary, so to speak, and, and make sure that she's primed and loaded for a fertile cycle. So utilizing these neck tag systems, you tracked out and helped better understand when the average animal has their first estrus event and mapped out there's a handful of these animals that had no estrus event there's a handful of these animals that have one before 60 days and then there's some that had two or more right and um, additionally there's a really nice discussion about how to monitor your your fresh cow pin and it talks very in depth about some different metrics to be looking at and the team on this farm would uh, have their hands on their fresh cows for the first 10 days and uh, would be monitoring data and clinical mastitis events all the way through 60 days in milk and so really well managed tmr based Slovakian herd that you investigated interactions and correlations in. Uh, okay, so rewinding back, I was looking at the the graph in your in your paper, and of course there's a clickable link in the in the discussion to get straight to this paper. But I found Figure One kind of interesting, and maybe maybe those listening in with AMS systems at home already realize this, but this extension agent was quite surprised to see a robust number of multi-parous animals coming into heat within that first two-week cycle. Um, and I believe somewhere in the literature it was saying that the median days in milk for the first cycle was 35 days. And that, that was everybody. But looking at that multi-parous, there, there's a strong grouping of them that came in. Could you talk a little bit about some of the observations that you saw and, and how this AMS system just generally tracks these estrus events? So I think we got a a lot of false positive heat alerts right after birth. This was true for the NEDAP system, what we used here, but also for the heat time system that we used in another study. So we excluded the first seven days. Mm -hmm. And uh, the idea probably why we have these false positive alerts is that some of the algorithm behind the tags, actually they give you a heat alert, for example, for the heat time system, when rumination drops and activity is increasing. And I think for many cows right after freshening, we see this kind of behavior. And to be honest with you, I'm not really sure if all the heat events that we see here on day 10 or day 11 are actually true estrus events. But um, this is one thing that we want to follow up and we want to know if these very early alerts are actually true estrus alerts or maybe there can be false positive Mm -hmm. if 
you move the cow from pen A to pen B and then she has increased the dynamics. Mm -hmm. but, but nevertheless, even if we take this into account, what we realized is that cows that never show any estrus within the first 60 days, they have worse reproductive performance. And I'm, I'm sure that we can fine-tune these algorithms and maybe make a smarter decision about these subgroups with poor fertility, but this was just a way how to get started with it. Absolutely. You got to start somewhere. And I did think that it was interesting, though, in this data set that 52% of the animals came back into heat that second cycle within our normal textbook, 18 to 24 days of milk. And, um, you know, you would you would think that there could be some wiggle in there, but it, they all read the book. Isn't that nice yeah. when they read the book? <laughs> That was surprising to us because in the previous study we did, we had data from five farms, which were probably not that well managed. And actually here we had 50% of the cows that were on estrus within the first 40 days. And there were only like 20 or 25% showing an estrus interval like we had here between 18 to 24 days. So I think this again is showing us that most of the cows resume their estrocyclicity pretty early. And I think that's probably also one thing that we can use as a metric mm -hmm. for assessing farms, how many percent of the cows are resuming estrus activity and probably also how many percent have a regular estrus cycle after they sure. hold their first estrus event. And kind of benchmark off of that because it, it begins the cascade of success. So those animals clearly read the book and, and they did what they were supposed to do. But there was about 20% that um, never read the book. They were completely in estrus. Your code was called estrus zero. And let's talk about those troubled beasts in the barn, the anestrus cows, and, and how helping identify that using your AMS could maybe help change and chart her path to a different trajectory. Yeah, I think, first of all, activity data within the volunteer rating period is, I think, a missed opportunity for most of the farmers. So when we talk to our producers here, the ones that use an activity monitoring system, they use it for having an alert after uh, they decided now she's ready to be bred. But I think the majority of them doesn't look into the activity data before the volunteer rating period. And so I think, first of all, I think it's important to to get a feeling and, and also to, to probably know the prevalence of cows that are on nurses. And we can also integrate nowadays these data into herd management software like Dairycom, for example. And then the second question is, I think, okay, is there something that we can do about these cows? And we didn't address that in this particular study, but there are, I think, two very nice studies, one from Canel and one from Florida where they actually did something similar. So they took the activity data within the volunteer rating period, and then they enrolled cows that had no estrus event either into a double offspring protocol or an offspring protocol with progesterone. I think that's, I think, a nice way how we can use these activity data and then have a proper intervention strategy for these kind of cows. But probably based on the physiology of these cows, I think it's pretty likely that we have to do probably something more complex in order to get them back on track. 
Absolutely. Definitely a, a huge opportunity that's kind of been a gold mine that's been dug out and for herdsmen to manipulate and, and change. So what we saw in that estrus zero is that your median days to first AI was 10 days greater, 84 days before we got semen into her track versus 74 for the other two, one display of estrus or two displays of estrus. And those 10 days, that that costs money, right? That that open cow for 10 additional days matters. And then we see that transpiring and changing the likelihood or the risk of her becoming pregnant before 100 days of milk. Could you talk a little bit about those observations and making sure that she gets settled and stays in that early phase of lactation? Yeah, one thing we have to remember is that this farm had a backdoor offspring implemented right around day 80. So I think if you wouldn't have an offspring protocol catching up all these cows showing no estrus event, I think the impact on reproductive performance would be even worse. So Epic. Yeah. within the cows that showed no estrus event within the world rating period, almost half of them were enrolled into a timed AI protocol. And ultimately, what you mentioned is that the time to pregnancy between these three different categories, there was a difference of almost 30 days. So it took them 30 days longer to become pregnant when they showed no estrus within the volunteer rating period. Absolutely. And when we look at pregnancy per AI on a percent basis, that figure three really shakes out how that multiparous animal that never shows that never shows an estrus event, how she is significantly less likely to get pregnant period. And and then one estrus event is less likely than two estrus events. And so if we can get her really kind of locked into a sequence of having that heat every 21 days, then she's just going to come out of the chute and settle for service, we hope. So speaking of first service, can you talk a little bit about some of the choices of semen that this particular herd used relative to conventional versus sexed? And what are some observations that you made? Yeah, I think it's our large progressive farms. They are switching, most of them actually, they switch to either sex semen or beef on dairy. And when we did the study on the Slovakian farm, they were using still some conventional semen but right now they only either use sex semen or, or beef on dairy and what is interesting in this particular study here and it was the first time that we were able to show this is that especially for those cows that received sex semen it was even more important for them that they had early resumption of estrus expressions the cows that had no estrus expression uh, receiving sex semen, they had pregnancy per AI at first service of 32%. And the ones that showed two estrus events or more within the volunteer rating period, they were close to 50%. So I think if you want to make sense of these uh, sensor data, um, you can probably allocate sex semen, especially into those cows that have, on the one hand, a high genetic merit and where you want to have replacements from. And on the other hand, you can use the sensor data to make a smarter decision for your high input costs using the sex semen. Absolutely. That's probably one of the nice ways how we can make these sensor data work for us and probably make better decisions at the end. 
You bet. Also, just making an algorithm potentially for that software program to say, green light, let's use some sex semen. She's going to likely be fertile or, you know, proceed with caution or uh, really ought to just probably use beef on dairy to make sure that she gets that pregnancy early on in lactation to keep her in that most profitable phase of production. Awesome. Just give you kudos because your paper clearly states that you believe that this is the one of the first papers in in the literature talking about how this activity data in early lactation can be used to optimize reproductive strategies and specifically with the targeted use of sex semen. So congratulations on shaking that out of the data and that's going to be a great tool going forward for for dairy producers in the audience. Yeah, I, th I think the issue of targeted reproductive management is probably getting more attention and it's up to us that we are able to identify and validate yeah, some robust predictors of reproductive outcomes and activity data within the voluntary ready period might be one of those, but we can think of a couple others. And actually we are doing some other projects where we try to integrate some other of these digital phenotypes as we will. I sure love transition cow research and I applaud you for having all of these beautiful data points because it's so hard guys to conduct transition cow research. Wow. Um, it's challenging to get clean data because those cows just, they just sometimes don't behave the way you expect them to. And, and so it's, it is a challenging window of time to research, but you guys did an amazing job capturing it. And talk to me a little bit about some of the observations that were made in those first 10 days and some of the correlations that you found relative to reproduction. How can you define preemptively, day 10 in milk, who's going to be an estrus going forward? So I would definitely like to acknowledge the farm team uh, for doing all the hard work, collecting all the on-farm data. And then especially thanks to Nidab and Arnold for giving us access to the activity data. I think without such a collaboration between the farm staff, but also the, the software company, uh, our research would not be possible. Wouldn't even exist. Yeah. Good. We don't see a lot of farms that have good and clean data. And I think if we would have, it was mm -hmm. it would give us more opportunities to dig into these data and, and tell the farmer on their specific farm what might be a predictor of poor re reproductive outcome Absolutely. or not. And if I look at this farm, I think what sticks out here is that most of yeah, uterine-related health events like stillbirth, retained placenta, poor parametritis, they were associated with a reduced chance of estrus expression, but also subclinical ketosis. So they routinely testing all cows for blood BHBA using a handheld mm -hmm. meter, applying propylene glycol to cows that have a BHBA above 1.2. And I think that's also something that might seem plausible, but I think, as you said, it's what is cool about this farm is that they are collecting a lot of data with high quality and, and we can make sense out of those um, data without being there sure. every day. I mean, yeah. I'm there on a regular base um, to talk about specific things, but they have a number of great nutritionists and other people that, that help them to, to manage their farm. 
a team of experts. And it all starts with data. As listeners are listening in, I think if there's one thing that you can do to take a hold of the reins to be successful is capture that data for your team so that your team can be more effective in helping you move forward. I mean, it, it took me several years to implement this on the farm. And but when I look at the repro performance, when we started there back in 2012, they had a frag rate of 11%. And now they are constantly running about 31, 32%. So I think it took them several years, but I think making all these integrations, mm-hmm. it's, I think, very incredible to me how the mindset of the AI technician changed and, and also the opportunities now that they have now. They can now select uh, the good cows for sex semen and the bad ones for beef on dairy. Well, and isn't that empowering for the team? And if, if they're making data-driven decisions, then it makes them enjoy their job, right? If you're enjoying your job, you're going to be better at it. And if you're better at your job, everybody is is better off. And it just, it makes for a, a really fun environment, data-driven, that results in Well, it just gives you strong results. So if those listening in don't have an AMS system, but they they want to have a window to the reproductive status of their herd, is there anything that you could recommend currently available for them to assess the status of reproduction or estrus in their their herd without the collars? Without the collars, I think, well, the idea that unovular cows have worse reproductive performance is nothing new. The issue is always that it's very time-consuming and very expensive to do this on a regular basis in a commercial setting. So, I mean, I could go there and take milk or blood samples to analyze for progesterone every one or two weeks and get the same results, or I can transrectal ultrasound and, and see if the cow has a CL. But I think that's the beauty of the sensor system is that the sensor is having an eye on the without any further intervention. So I think right now without the without the sensor system, it's pretty difficult or it's very labor intensive, probably also expensive to get the same result. Well, my my favorite question to ask every researcher is what out of this paper, what advice would you give to boots on the ground dairymen? So I would encourage you to look into activity data. We have now integrations available for different herd management softwares that you can do this without any further effort. And I think for, especially for the large farms, it's not possible to click through every cow and look at their Mm -hmm. activity data, whether she was regular cycling or not. Mm -hmm. But I think we have to come out like with a list of cows that was probably not doing well, uh, showing no SOS event. And then we have to think about if we can do something with them. And and I think the other one, the other metric that we can use is additional KPI for our transition cow health is the percentage of cows that were unestrous. And then it gets back to these basic transition cow concepts, how we can keep them healthy within a difficult time period. You bet. Making sure that that close-up cow pen is correct and your fresh cow pen ration is correct. And, you know, if, if you look at these metrics pretty quickly, the software is paid for. You know, if you can improve the reproductive performance of, of your herd and, and keep her in that more profitable phase, 
Very good. Well, Stefan, this has been very informative, and I want to thank you for your time. Listeners, I applaud you for taking time out of your day to learn about how the health status through transition can impact estrus expression and, and therefore fertility, and, and how the AMS system can help you with identifying that. I've really enjoyed our conversation, and this has been the April edition of the Dairy Science Digest, which is a monthly podcast designed to bring the Journal of Dairy Science straight to your ears. We highlight peer-reviewed research articles and press sound science that you can base your management decisions around provided by your University of Missouri Dairy Team. So be sure to like, share, and subscribe to get future editions straight to your cell phone. This is Reagan Blue with the Dairy Science Digest, and I hope you have a great day.